Hi, God Squad Church. B's the chaplain here. I've been given the invitation to speak at today's service. Uh, but before I do, I just want to say a massive thank you to Pastor TJ and uh, the leadership team of the God Squad Church uh, for giving me the opportunity and allowing me to speak today. I'm super nervous, um, so I'm going to get right into it. Uh, just to officially introduce myself, my name is Jean-Bernard Maurice Diogé. I was born in Mauritius, and uh, when I was young, my family and I, we, we came to Australia, and we've been Sydney siders, uh, and we've lived here ever since. Um, but when I came over here, uh, not many people knew how to, un uh, knew how to say Jean-Bernard. Uh, they didn't have the uh, accent down pat, and um, I wasn't the biggest fan of being called Jean. Uh, you know, didn't really, it wasn't really my thing. <laughs> anyway, um, so instead of people calling me Jean or Bernard or Bernard, I was like, hey guys, let's just call me Bees. You know, make life every, uh, make life a lot easier for everyone. Yeah. Anyway, so that's why uh, I'm called Bees or Bees the Chaplain. That leads me into my second point. The reason why I'm called Bees the Chaplain is because this year I'm going into prison ministry. I would be a prison chaplain for a correctional facility out in Long Bay, which is in Sydney, Australia. Uh, I've been a high school chaplain as well as a church pastor, but I feel that this year, um, in this season, God has led me into the prison ministry space. Um, it's got its own challenges. It's got its own, um, you know, struggles and victories. And but God is real, you know, and God is doing amazing things in that space. Uh, but also in during that time, God has also provided me with something I definitely needed, which is a support network and a community, a place where I could go and feel safe, a, a place where I can go and just vent and just kind of be encouraged and supported in my journey and my walk with Christ. And that's God Squad Church. Um, I've been a member of this church for the past like three months, so I'm quite new. But um, yeah, I just want to say a massive thank you to each and every one of you for your support as I transitioned into the prison space and also now as I deliver this message. Um, before I keep going, I'm going to invite the Spirit to you know, be here so we can hear God's voice. So if I can just invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you so much for this opportunity and for this time that we can come at uh, SquadCon to connect with you and build a deeper relationship with you. Lord, I pray now that you be with me, empty me of myself and fill me with the Spirit so I can speak your words, that I can, you know, through the ums and the ahs and the fumbling of my words, the Holy Spirit captures them and nestles them into the hearts of the willing listeners that are wanting to hear your voice and get a message from you. Our Lord, finally, I just pray that you take this message as an offering and your will be done with it. I ask this all in your loving name. Amen. So when I was originally invited to speak, I went to Pastor TJ and I said, hey, you know, SquadCon, this is my first one. You know, what's the theme for this year? And he said, well, it's the Masters Meta. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Not knowing what he was talking about, I had no idea. I wasn't actually too sure what meta was, but I knew it was a gaming term. And so I asked him about it and um, I did a bit of research for myself. And um, what what I discovered when I Googled it, <laughs> I found out that the master's meta, no, not the master's meta, meta by itself is an acronym or it can be used as an acronym to uh, represent the most effective uh, tactic available. So it's when the community comes together for a particular stage or to fight a boss or to get or to clear a, a mission. And they say, well, this is the most effective tactic available. 
you know, and so when it came to the master's meta, you know, I got this idea of though we might have our own method and our own, I guess, the best way we, that we know uh, how to get through a particular stage or complete a particular objective, there's a massive difference between what we know and what the master knows and the master's most effective tactic available. And so this message is going to hopefully challenge us and give us the opportunity to explore that, explore the idea of how we can tap into the master's meta with a relationship with Jesus Christ, how we can explore um, the idea of stepping outside the boundaries of what we think we might know and really um, tap into the master's meta. So I'm going to do that by sharing a story with you. And this story is found in Matthew uh, chapter 14, verse 22 to 33. Now I'll be reading from the NIV version. Uh, and yeah, so we're starting with um, Jesus completing a miracle. Now the miracle that Jesus completes is the feeding of the 5,000. Now that's, he's done that. And now he's starting to, well, he's starting a new story, or I think he's starting a new chapter. Um, now, before we continue, the package around the master's meta, the way we're going to explore this, I'd like to challenge you by introducing you to you three phases of faith. That's what I like to call them. Within this story, we're going to explore three phases of faith and seeing how in the three phases of faith, we can actually grasp and experience the master's meta or the master's most effective tactic available for our lives. So we take it where Jesus has um, finished this particular miracle and now he's moving on to the next. So immediately, and this is verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside to pray by himself. Later that night, he was all alone. And the boat had already um, been a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So he was by himself and he wants to cross the river as well. He already knows that he sent the disciples ahead of him. And he knows that the disciples are a far way off because the current, the wind and the waves have already pushed the boat far enough. Now, this is where it gets interesting. It says here in verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. I'm going to repeat that because <laughs> we're going to celebrate the master's meta straight off the bat. Shortly before dawn, Jesus does not go and pick up a boat for himself on the shore and go and row out to the rest of the boys. He does not wait till sunset or sunrise to wait for someone else to offer him a boat to taxi him out to, to meet his disciples. No, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out and starts walking on the lake. When the disciples see him walking on the lake, they're terrified. It's a ghost, they cried, and they cried out in fear. Now, this is where it gets interesting because Jesus says to them immediately, he goes, hey, take courage. It's me, Jesus. Don't be afraid. It's me, Jesus. Now, now I'd like to introduce to you the first phase of faith. When it comes to the master's meta, the first phase of faith is for us to believe that we serve a God that can perform the impossible. Because there's a lot of times in our lives when we're given a situation or when we're given a circumstance, we are the only options, the only 
uh, I guess, exit strategies. The only solutions that we can implement are the ones that we have available in our limitations. The, by the resources that we have, by the people that we know, by what we know, that's what we, what we rely on when we implement our own solutions. But here Jesus is saying, hang on, what you're doing is you're kind of boxing me in. Because what we do is sometimes we feel, well, I've got a circumstance here and I feel that this is the limit. This is the boundary and this is all I can do in this space. And because I don't know you, God, I feel that you can't do any more than what I can. But Jesus is saying my, the first phase of faith is to believe that you can serve a God that can perform the impossible, like walk on water, that Jesus can step out of the realm of our limitations and he can say, no, 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 I can perform the impossible. Just watch me. And so the first phase of faith is to believe that we can serve a God that can perform the impossible. And it's quite interesting that even in this story, and this is what I love about the disciples, it was a journey. It was a learning experience. It was constantly learning more about Jesus Christ and exploring and experiencing who he was. Because in reality, when they saw him, they didn't say, hey, that's Jesus. Come jump in. They, they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Imagine that, that the disciples who have been journeying with him for so long now would rather believe that there was the unimaginable than believe that Christ could perform the impossible. But this is where it also gets really cool. Um, for those of you who know, Peter is one of the disciples. Peter is a professional fisherman, and I need you to remember that. Peter as the professional fisherman. Yeah, keep that in the back of your mind because we're going to come back to that. But I love Peter. Peter is a doer. Peter's a man of action. Peter is the guy that if he needs, if you need to get stuff done, he's going to be the one. Jesus is the one that says, Peter, you know, you're the doer. Let's get stuff done. And Peter's like, yep, there straight away. Now, Peter is the first to act. And he says, this is when he says, when Jesus says, hey, hey, it's okay. It's just me. Though I'm walking on the water, it's still Jesus. Peter goes up and says, Lord, if it's really you, Come and tell me to walk out on the water with you. Call me out onto the water. Come, Jesus says. Then Peter got out of the boat and walked on water towards Jesus. The second phase of faith is this. The second phase of faith is we are to believe that we serve a God who can perform the impossible in our own lives. There are many times that I've seen in the Christian experience where I've connected with people and I've, sh I've showed them or I've shared them, uh, I've shared with them about how God is doing amazing things in my life. You know, how God is really helping me journey and, you know, bring out all the garbage and cleaning up my mess in my life. And I see people and they're looking at me, not in hope, but in, I, I guess in disappointment. And they're feeling to themselves, wow, it must be nice. It must be nice for you to do that. It must be nice for God to be able to do that in your life. You know, there are people who, are, who, who see this experience from afar and only wish they can have it for themselves. But there are some times that limits, they're limited. Why? Because probably their circumstances are so overwhelming for them. Maybe they're going through a tough relationship. 
Maybe they're going through financial struggles. Maybe they're going through health issues. And it seems that the circumstance is a bit too much for them to bear. But yet they see us. They're seeing, you know, Christ followers. They're seeing people who are experiencing Jesus Christ. And they're probably thinking it must be nice. The second phase of faith is to believe that God can perform, that we serve a God that can perform the impossible in our own lives as well. And we don't just have to look from afar and see Jesus moving in other people's lives, but know that Jesus can move in our lives if we give him the chance, if we give him the opportunity, if we stop saying, hey, this is our meta. This is the only, you know, the most effective tactic that I know that that's available to me and rely on the master's meta and say, hey, Jesus is um, a God that can step, step out of the limitations, that steps out of my boundaries and limitations and can perform miracles in my life. But the thing is, do I, do I allow him to do that? Do I believe that I serve a God that can perform the impossible in my life? And what I mean by miracle I'm, I'm a product. I'll, uh, this, is, this is my personal journey. I am a product of a praying mother. I am the product of, I'm the prodigal son. I am the one who left Jesus. I am the one that turned my back on my family. I'm the one that in my life and the decisions and the choices that I made turned my life on God. Uh, sorry, turned my back on God, turned my back on my family and went my own way to the point where I had nothing. I was broken. I was at the literally at the end of my rope. And in that darkness and in that brokenness, that's where I saw God perform the impossible in my life. And I'm not talking about, oh, because he gave me a million dollars or because he, you know, no, it's because he gave me something that I thought I would never get or never understand. And that was self-worth. And that was a sense of being valued, a sense of someone saying to me, bees, you have the capacity to love because you will experience love from me. I received the miracle from God and he transformed my life. Hopefully there'll be another day that you can hear my testimony. But for me personally, I am a product of serving a God who has performed the impossible in my life, where he's taken a broken um a broken, broken-hearted, broken-minded person and has performed such a reconciliation and transforming act that I can now praise his name with a, a heart full of joy and full of love and full of hope and I, can, and I can just celebrate him for what he's done in my life. That's the miracle that I'm talking about. That's the miracle that I want to celebrate today. That's the opportunity that I want to share with everyone that with the master's meta, he's wanting to provide each and every one of us, but we need to be willing to be that second phase of faith, that we're willing to serve a God that can perform the impossible, not at a distance, but in our own lives. So let's move on to the next part, because this is where the, the story gets a bit interesting. In verse 30, it says here, so Peter's jumped out on the boat, of, sorry, jumped out of the boat and is walking on water towards Jesus. But when we, he said, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. So Peter starts seeing the wind and he becomes, he gets scared and he begins to sink. Now it's at this time, right, where you're probably thinking, well, Peter lost faith. You know, Peter failed then because he sank. He's sinking. He didn't get there. He sank. He's a failure. Bom, bom. You lose Peter. 
next story. This is this is a write-off story. This doesn't count. But before we actually write him off, we, we need to understand where Peter's coming from because let's bring that thing that I asked you to keep in the back of your head, that Peter was a professional fisherman, right? He knows the waves. He knows the waters. I'll bring you back to a story. Let's follow me to Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 27. So that's where that's the, that's a different story where this, they're stuck in a storm. You get a similar story, and we're gonna that's four chapters beforehand, before this circumstance where Peter is sinking. There's a similar comparison in the gospel of Matthew uh, of Mark, and I'm just gonna read that one instead, but it's the same story. That's found in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, 27. This is Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. And this, this is what it says. That day evening came. He said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took, with him, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were other boats that accompanied them. A furious storm came up and the waves broke over the boat. So that so that he was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care if we drown? Then Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Then he turned back to his disciples and said, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I want you to picture Peter as the disciple now. Peter is the professional fisherman. Peter is the one who knows the boats, who knows the weather, who knows how to fish, who knows how to look at the seas, who knows how to assess a storm. He is the subject matter expert of all things fishing, and he is stuck in a storm. Now, when it says a furious storm came up and the winds um, broke over the, sorry, the waves broke over the boat, that it was nearly swamped, it was then that the disciples go and get Jesus. I know, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% confident that Peter exhausted all of his available resources in his capacity. He did things according to Peter's meta, not the master's meta. He was looking at the most um, effective tactic available for him, whether it's bailing water, whether it's bringing the oars or paddling the boat or whatever the professional fisherman would do. He would exhaust all of them then at the end, because why would you say because if it was the first thing you would say, you'd go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, something's happening outside. We need a hand. No, no, no. He waits and then he goes, do you not care if we drown? It's like we've done every, everything we've can, we, we could do. Do you not care if we're drowning? Because this is where, now we're in dire circumstances now. Are you going to do anything? And that's where Jesus is given the invitation to showcase his master's meta, step outside of that realm and say, hey, peace be still to the storm. And it's completely calm. What I love about Peter is this. We cut back to the same circumstance. We come back to that same story. Peter's walking on water. All of a sudden, the waves come up. He gets scared, and he starts to sink. But what does he do? What does the professional fisherman do this time? This is what I love about Peter. Does he go and paddle back to the boat or swim back to the boat? No. Does he go and call out to the, um, to the disciples and say, hey, hey, throw me a lifeline. I'm sinking here. No, he doesn't. What's the first thing he does? The first thing he does in verse, 30, um, in verse 41, it says, 
he calls out, Lord, save me. Peter calls out, the first thing he does is say, Lord, save me. In verse 31, it also says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why are you drowning? Why, why did you doubt, my brother? You of little faith, yeah, come up, come up. Immediately Jesus was there. I want to introduce you to the third and final phase of faith. And that is to believe that we serve a God that can perform the impossible irrespective of the circumstances. That we serve a God that can perform the impossible irrespective of what's going on around us. In my life, I've, I told you I'm the product of a praying mother because I came to a point where I didn't have enough strength to reach out to Jesus for myself. But because of the prayers of my mom, he was able to reintroduce himself to me. He was able to reconnect with me and reveal to me that he is a God that can perform the impossible through his healing, through his love, through his ability to show me that I'm a person of value, to, to be able to show me a person that I'm worth something. That was the miracle. That was my impossibility. Because all I saw in my meta was just get through life. That was it. I didn't find worth. I didn't have anything. I was lonely. I was heartbroken. And God said, here, let me step into your life and perform a miraculous healing in you. The third phase of faith is to believe that we serve a God that performs the impossible in our own lives, irrespective of the circumstance. What I love about Peter is that he learned from his past experience. He learned that instead of letting God, like leaving God till the very end, the first thing he does is I'm going to tap into the master's meta. I'm going to see the miracle that he has in store to be performed in my life. What I love about this is towards the end of the story, and this is in verse 32, it says, and then they climbed into the boat. So this is Peter. This is Jesus. After he's pulled Peter up, he said, brother, why did you doubt? You have little faith. Come on. And then they climbed into the boat and the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. What I love about this story is that let's remember that in the beginning when they first saw Jesus, that he cried out in fear and they thought he was a ghost. They were willing to believe in the unimaginable rather than believe that God could perform the impossible. But because of one man, because of Peter, imagine that one man walked on water, yet everyone in the boat worshipped. One man's act of faith and everyone glorified God. What about your life? What piece, What about my life? I just got to let you know, when I preach or when I share a message, the first person I preach to is myself because I've got to be the first one to hear this message. So as we look and we challenge ourselves, the first question or the main question that I'm asking you today is what phase of faith are you in? What phase of faith are you in that's allowing you to experience the master's meta? Are you just limiting yourself to your most um, your most effective tactic available within your limitations? Or are you giving God the opportunity to showcase who he is in your life, irrespective of the circumstance? Because I can tell you what, if you allow God to move in your life, to perform the impossible in your life, irrespective of the circumstance, 
not only will he provide you healing, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all the fruits of the spirit, all the reasons to celebrate, all the reasons to give you hope because of who he is. Not only will he give you the ability to experience that in any circumstance, but he's also willing to showcase that to other people. So though you might be willing to perform the impossible, though you might be able to allow God to perform the impossible in your life, other people will be able to worship him because of that. Other people will be drawn to him because of your faith. I pray that you allow yourself to step up to the next phase of faith, wherever you're at, whether you're needing to trust God, whether you're needing to trust God with one particular thing in your life, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a particular struggle, whether it's a particular challenge, I pray that you give it to God. I pray that you allow him to perform the impossible in your life so you can share that to the world and others will be drawn to him because of your testimony. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you so much for the word that you gave me. And Lord, I just leave it in your hands. I pray that you were able to speak to the people who are wanting to hear your voice. And Lord, for those who are needing to needing you to perform the impossible in their lives, Lord, I pray that you bless them abundantly. Give them a brand new experience of who you are so they will have faith in you. They will trust in you and they will know that you are not bounded or, or limited by, you know, the, the ways of w- the way that we think and the way that we act, but you are outside of that, that you can perform the impossible in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you do that for those who are seeking you, for those who are wanting that for their lives and their circumstances. Lord, I pray, I pray that you do that for them. Lord, I pray that you continue to bless and guide us as a church. I ask this all in your loving name. Amen. Thank you so much for the opportunity once again. Peace out. God bless.